defenses. Initiate bank protocol. What is good, friends and foes alike? It is another episode of Bird Protocol, uh, and it is our belated Halloween episode. So happy Halloween to everybody out there. Hope you had a great, safe, fun Halloween and Halloween weekend. I am uh, one half of the podcast, Palm Reader. I'm here with my co-host, Otis Morris. Otis, how was your Halloween weekend? Uh, Halloween weekend was fantastic. Um, you were there for, I guess, you went to two parties together, which were both and the bar. interesting. A- and the bar, yeah, yeah, and yeah. dinner. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, oh, we were there two, two yeah. nights, back to back. Fuck. Yeah, so yeah, got to see you, uh, the K-Dog, Zach, just, you know, homies. And uh, so that was nice to catch up on... Uh, you know what they're up to because you know especially especially like i never see zach like zach's more your friend than yeah than and he's got mine but like he's got kids now and but he's a fucking good ass dude so it's good to always see him yeah. uh, especially <laughs> I, I appreciate how forward he is with his conversation the man uh Man, uh, it's just very, just very forward and you kind of appreciate that in the time of everyone just trying to like just not really give a shit about people like he was very blunt and i i just just an awesome guy and then you know kieran just being the sweetest dude of all time and jason was there it was nice to see jason as well um oh yeah right i I totally forgot that we ran into jason at the bar later yeah Yeah. i met up with him and he came out for a bit it was a good night um i what was the the bluntness of the conversation that 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 had you so uh, uh wrapped what, what was it oh uh zach's no zach's comment in uh regards to the wedding speeches oh my god because <laughs> like oh, he Lord. dropped that within like five minutes of sitting down that was crazy uh yeah. well, that won't be repeated but yes that was very funny um yeah <laughs> uh yeah, no, it was really good. It was nice to go out for dinner. It was cool to be uptown. It was like 21 degrees, which was crazy mm-hmm. for the Friday before Halloween. Um, so we were comfortable. Like the outdoor outside was very comfortable. Um, yeah. The food was good at the Hop House. Uh, it was great to hang out with everybody there. Thank you for the belated birthday gift. Um, right. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, for I'm those glad listening... That- <laughs> do you want to tell that yeah, do you want to tell them do you want to tell the listeners uh, got yeah it? yeah so um this is a gift that intent uh i was actually intending to give you last year but i did not pull the trigger in time and could not acquire the said movies uh and i got i got you three movies which is a very specific reference to uh mid-2000s internet videos if you're you know, which was the best time to be on the internet was wildly inappropriate, wildly inappropriate, insane. Oh, yes. That shit. A lot of that shit on the internet is now like forbidden to the dark realm. It is stuff that you may not be able to uncover again. But in this one, it's kind of, it's just, it was based on a funny joke, which some of you may know the uh, unforgivable videos in which it is just a black man in a forest in very shitty black and white videos in which it's just a black dude just angrily describing, you know, his day into Uh, camera. (laughs) 
But in then, this was, <laughs> I was gonna say, and the stories are not uh, not child friendly stories, shall we say? Nah, no, nah. There's curses and there's Crack all types use, of shit. Crack uh, use, uh, uh, bitch. Free. Um, but yeah, there's one specific video. I don't remember which one because there is a series of these. Videos. I think it's this, I think it's the second one. Yeah, because um, I think the first one is about going to the food court, right? The mall. And then yeah, this, that's the I yeah. want the waffle waffle fries, and the, the, dark pepper. he takes the girl's wallet out and sees a picture of her brother, and he says, "You better not have no siblings." Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the second one is the movie night. Uh, <laughs> yeah, where he goes, and then uh, I guess he shows up to his girl's house, and he's like, "Bitch." What you watching? And she's like, oh, we're watching The Legend of Bag of Vance. She's like, turn that shit off. That shit off. <laughs> I brought Bridge on the River Kwai, a brief, uh, what is it? Dr. Shivago and, and a brief encounter. A lean night. Which is incredible because for the longest time, we thought he meant a lean night as in the movies were night. like, were like considered classics, right? Like lean mm-hmm classic hollywood filmmaking things that yes. people you know consider to be you know uh, uh a bit heavier a bit leaner yeah. a bit more well made but then we mm. come to realize when otis buys the gift for me that they were all directed by none other than david lean and so it was a double entendre and that goes to show you that you can put some smart humor in crude humor yeah. And blow people's minds years later when they figure it out. It's like it took uh, me eighteen years to figure that one out. Yeah, so. and then when he told me at the at the dinner table, I was like, "No way!" And I looked, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And uh, and yeah, so I have those DVDs now sitting there, which I will definitely actually watch because I yeah. I haven't watched any of those movies in a long time since like early early university. Um, and yeah, so I can't. I, I've only seen a Bridge on the River Kwai. I don't even think I've seen Doctor. Sh- Maybe I've seen Doctor. Sh- Actually, yeah, I think I've seen Doctor Shivago because I think that's in like Film One Hundred One or One Hundred Two or something. I think I could be wrong, but I definitely have not seen a Brief Encounter. So, um, yeah, and so I, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch those, uh, and uh, I appreciate the humorous and thoughtful birthday gift belated. We had a wonderful dinner, as I said, at Hop House. We went over to Jane Bond. It was beautiful out. People were dressed in their costumes. As you can guess, a lot of Kens, a lot of Barbies, a lot of uh, Squid Game prisoners or guards or whatever they're supposed to be. Uh, strangely, a lot of pirates. The pirates this year seemed yeah. really, there was like, we saw like six different, like really intense pirate costumes. Um, yeah. And because it was so night out, Pirates night, are classic though. It's classic because it was so nice out. It's such a nice night out. Was what I was trying to say. All of the university students were feral, uh, going absolutely nuts. The lines were <laughs> yeah. crazy everywhere. So when we went over to Jane Bond, I thought, "Oh no, this place is going to fill up and it's going to be a bit of a nightmare." But it wasn't. It was actually like the perfect amount of busy the whole time. We could hear each other yeah. talk. I mean, when the DJ started a little bit later, it was a little bit harder. But for the first like yeah. hour and a bit, we could hear each other talk. We were having a great time. Music started. Everybody was having a good time. DJ was playing a good, good uh, set list. Everything was everything was 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 hitting, and it was you know not still didn't get super super busy to the point it was uncomfortable. Everybody was having a fun time. It was a fantastic night out, and got home in time to uh oh and kenneth was there i saw kenneth and sunday 
fantastic seeing those guys. They were so so uh, are kind of devastated because they just watched Killers of the Flower Moon, but um, nonetheless hadn't yeah. seen them in a while, so it was very nice to see them. And they yeah. were very, uh, very said some very kind things about uh, my weight loss and 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 uh, everything. It was and just nice to see those guys. Yeah, man. Um, and uh, and then uh, yeah, Saturday we went to to Halloween parties. Your costume was excellent. Uh, I yeah, I wish it was warmer out because I I was um, I was the big bad wolf, but the big bad wolf dressed as the grandmother. Um, from Little Red Riding Hood, if you're not familiar with the fucking fable from a billion years ago, uh, the wolf dresses as the grandmother. So I was in a dress and a wig in the closest I've come this far in life to full drag. And I committed. I was fucking bare-legged, and that shit was cold. Uh, very cold. Especially since the first party we went to ended up being predominantly outside since everyone pretty much was like smoking or vaping. It was outside, but shout out to Jason's, uh, is that his boss or Justin, whoever? Just as, yeah, like, uh, his house was nuts. Like the, dudes, the, the decorations. Was, yeah. That was so sick. And then the inside, like garage room, he had fucking, like he has like six feet tall, like statues that you're like, oh, this is cool. You walk up to it. Then it starts talking to you. You're like, oh shit. They had like a video. They had a tv screen that was just playing like the best horror movie kills on yeah, like it was whoop. sick and there was like was black sick. lights like lasers yeah. outside there was a skeleton on a motorcycle that would rev every time you walked mm-hmm. by giant animatronic dragons the windows yep. had stuff being projected on it from the inside scenes of like zombies hands hitting yeah. like a wall or like people being murdered and scenes from movies like it was cool it was oh, so sick it. it was great uh, i wish it was the day before when it was 21 because that would have been way more um enjoyable to be outside in 21 yeah. degree weather uh in in mm-hmm. costumes but it was cool it was very cool um shout out kyle and miranda for their their uh, terrence and philip costumes which were really oh, funny. yeah um, i loved it there were some people Shout that out were, that one girl that was Jonathan Davis from Corn. That incredible. was sick, dude. Wearing <laughs> the Adidas tracksuit, the dreads, and then made her own microphone because, uh, you know, he has this crazy microphone stand that's made by like H.R. Greiger. Greiger? Greiger? Greiger. Eager. I always forget his fucking name, but that fucking alien freak thing. And that was just sick because as soon as I saw it, I was like, she's Jonathan Davis. Holy yeah. shit. That is genius. Well, the funniest thing is it. that when you said that to me, right as you were saying that to me, one of the like old dudes that was there was like, are you the predator? And I just started laughing uncontrollably. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? She's like, <laughs> you're like, oh my God, she's Jonathan Davis, you know, corn, lead singer of corn. I was like, oh, that's so sick. And this old guy's like, are you the predator? And I had to like walk <laughs> away because I started <laughs> laughing really loud. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then yeah. after that, we went to uh, Lindsay's party um, yeah. for for about two hours. And I have to say, um, I really like. I don't know if they listen to this. I want to shout them out for being incredible hosts. Yeah. Um, they had. F- uh, uh, oh, same with just. I mean, Justin was an incredible host. They had a huge amount of oh, food. Yeah. They had gabagool. Yeah. They had like tons Ooh. and tons of good food there. But also oh. at Lindsay's house, they had like a table filled with treats. They had like uh, people could take uh, 
I think they had cigarettes and joints by the door so you could go outside. Yes. They had lighters. They had they gave me, even though I wasn't even in a costume, they gave me an award in the costume party. I, I had joked and said that I'm the cost of living because I had to buy medical supplies and I, I wasn't sure if I was going and I just didn't, ha didn't have a costume. And I, so I said, I'm the cost of living because, you know, medical supplies, expensive. Um, and they thought it was funny and they gave me a little, they gave me a little thing for it and said that, uh, you know, I won, a, won a, a category, even though I wasn't in costume, which I really appreciate mm -hmm. being completely sober and there and not knowing everybody and then feeling involved. It, it shows a real thoughtfulness oh, yeah. of being a host. And so I just wanted to say, I had such a good time. You had a wonderful house. Thank you for having me. If you are listening, invite us. Invite me again. Dinner parties. I would love to hang out. They were both, uh, Lindsay and Jesse were both wonderful hosts and very pleasant. Yeah, they're, they're the sickest. They're sweet. Uh, yeah, they're both incredibly Go see sweet. Lindsay's comedy. Yeah, go check out Fever Dream uh, whenever they do shows because I think it's going to be just Lindsay for a while since Renee is having a child. Oh, yeah. baby time. Baby time. Yeah. Um, yeah it was good it was really that party was really fun i like the fact that it was a little bit smaller a little bit less uh crazy um and the people there were really kind it was really all I'm, a lot of the people i spoke to were just super dope that's that guy was super dope like it was cool yeah. man it was really 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 fun uh, and then and then we had an eventful drive home um yeah <laughs> unless you, just, do you have anything you want to add for Lindsay's party no, it was great. Um, just, you know, if you don't regularly smoke cigarettes, just don't try to chain smoke like you used to five years ago because you can't. <laughs> That's all. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Thank God it was uh, the, the Harvey's parking lot was empty. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, man, I let loose. That was, yeah, I, I threw up all over the place. Yeah, which it was definitely, I'm thinking definitely the cigarettes and like, the combination of cigarettes and greasy cold cuts. Yeah, you were going hard on the gabagool and the potatoes. Um, I, was, I was going so hard. You were going hard. You had like three bowls or something. I was like, Jesus No, Christ. no. I, I, was, I was just eating because they have like summer sausage. I'm like, yo, man. Oh, I, I, love a, I love a nice I love of like summer meats, sausage. You know? oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they had like gabagool, uh, summer sausage, and then at Lindsay's it was just like assortments of cheeses so I was just getting dumb with the the meats and the cheeses and then yeah like chain smoked like three cigarettes because they were free which is wild free cigarettes at a party that's unheard of in my realm like you're usually asking someone like yo can I bum a smoke but they literally just have them there so sweet it's and X I appreciate it oh shit sorry I didn't mean to get so loud yeah. uh no, they were going like, x games I'll mode yeah. yeah, I'll just be more mindful at the next one to not smoke like three or four cigarettes in a row. Just maybe have one since I'm not a regular smoker anymore. So. Yeah, it was. And I mean, the other thing, too, is that we were packing it in fairly quickly. Like, I think if we were going to be there for the whole evening, it would have been a bit different because, you yeah. know, we were only there for two hours. And then I had to take you back because you worked the next day. And how was your actual Halloween? Did you guys do anything on Halloween? Uh, I watched Pearl with uh, with my my lovely girlfriend over discord nice. and uh and just chilled out it was a very chill evening pearl was excellent have you uh, seen it before um 
I feel like I did, but I was like sick or something when I watched it the first time because yeah. this time I was like dialed in and I was really enjoying it. Um, I love that movie, and uh, yeah, and so I can't cool. I, I can't wait to see uh, Maxine um, mm-hmm. and see the trilogy end because I you know Ty West is uh, they're they're excellent and they're all similar but so different. I just I can't wait to see what he does. Um, yeah. What about you? How was your Halloween? Uh, what did I do? Uh, well, we just kind of, I worked and then, what did I do? I think I, what? That was Siri. Siri was talking. Jesus Christ. That scared me. I thought that was like mine, but I was like, I don't have Siri activated on my phone. No, it was my watch because I lifted it up. I don't even know how it turned on. Um, Sorry about that. That was okay. kind of spooky. Anyway, uh, yes. Yeah, sorry, That's you were you were. Uh, and then me and Pear just kind of made a last minute decision to like go out, and so. Um. Oh, I should I should actually say this on Sunday, I did my comedy show at Dive Bar, and I decided to host it in character as Tony Soprano, <laughs> and. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. And other people and like two other people that are familiar with the Sopranos enjoyed it. But no one else was enjoying it. I was making very subtly racist jokes. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, hey, it's a spooky night, if you know what I mean. Eh? Uh, because Tony Soprano is incredibly racist, uh, as are most Italian American mobsters, I should mm. say. Mobsters. Allegedly, uh, if yeah. anybody's listening, oh. allegedly, oh. allegedly, in allegedly. TV, in, yeah. on, on, on the I, t- yeah. television stereotype. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah, come I don't need us. no fucking Italians coming up from Hamilton to whack me right now. Okay, I, I know Canada's got a big, heavy, heavy Italian mob presence, but uh, I like you guys. You're, you're. I, I, I wish to be your friends. Um, no. So I, I committed to it, and it was kind of funny because. I can't, I can say like one thing in Tony Soprano voice, which is Jesus fucking Christ. That's all I can say in his voice. And the, the more I do like, as I would do his voice and the longer I would go into it, I would slowly move away from Italian American and somehow fall into Newfie. I, I don't know how that, but that's, and so I would constantly have to reset my accent and be like, Jesus fucking Christ. So that just kind of became a running gag for me throughout the night is just saying that the entire time. And then also a running gag just became me just like commenting on myself and like talking to myself of how I'm not an impressionist. And the fact I decided to commit to an impression, is just a horrible idea. I had a lot of I kinda, fun. I kind of wish I was there because I probably would have been laughing my ass off at that. But that's because, like, yeah. also I know you personally and how much you love The Sopranos, so I probably would have yeah. just been losing my mind. Yeah. There was uh, a lot of, like, Sopranos references that no one got. It's a young crowd, generally. And, like, <laughs> that's the thing. It was weird. I was making fun of Matthew Perry, rest in peace. But, like, it was, you know, like, the day after. So I was like, I got to do it. And, uh... People don't know Matthew Perry, apparently. This younger generation, like 20-year-olds, they're not into Friends, I guess. I, I thought they were. Turns out they're not. They kind of ended with us, I guess. Um, so, yeah, that went fine. Uh, 
I encouraged people, other comics, to come in costume. The only one that did was Eric Hansen, who was an owl, and he came locked and loaded with some really shitty owl puns, which I thoroughly appreciated. Again, you know, I'm a big fan of just shitty puns and characters, so, uh, you know, I really like that. I think I might just switch it up every so often and just do my own show as a character every so often just to keep it fresh. Just because when I'm hosting, doing my own jokes isn't really fun. I just kind of like to fuck around and just like, you know, make sure the audience is enjoying it. You know, that's why there's other comics performing to do actual jokes. But anyway, so that was Sunday night. That was fun. Uh, And then on Tuesday night, uh, as I was saying earlier, me and Pear just decided to go out like as a last minute thing. So I have a pair of those like Groucho Mark glasses with like Mm. the big nose and the mustache and the big bushy eyebrows. So I just tossed that on. No one, un- no one knows who fucking Groucho Marx is. Also, turns out it's like Jesus Christ, man. If you're if your reference isn't, if your costume isn't referencing something that has happened within the last two weeks, people look at you like you're a fucking Neanderthal. They're like, "What the fuck is this?" It's like, this is the most like iconic joke costume ever. Like, what the fuck is? Because somebody's like, do people look at this make TikToks about? On. Do people make TikToks about it? No, no. No, Society's but- memory is that of a goldfish right now, my friend. They people can't people yeah. see something happening and then they look away and then they th- can't remember that it happened. Yeah. So also, yeah. So there's that, and then yeah, all the bars were just very weird on Halloween night. So I ended we ended up, ended up being out for like an hour and a half, and then we were just like, let's just go home. And then yeah, it was really really fucking strange. Um, which I think I, because, you know, so everyone's dressed up in, like, prison jumpsuits, like the orange jumpsuits. Like, it's not not Squid Game, which is pink, but orange. And I think it's, I could be wrong, but it could be a reference to this, like, fucking Twitch streamer that's, like, currently doing, like, a prison live stream where him and, like, a bunch of other Twitch streamers are just pretending to be in prison in some, like, fake warehouse which is fucking stupid and corny. And I'm just like, why, who gives a fuck? Like what, what do you, yeah, I've seen, I don't, I don't care about streamers. So I, I've seen stuff yeah. about this, but I just don't really, I don't, it doesn't register. So I think that's what it is. And the fact that you're like, your costume is a reference to a Twitch streamer. I'm just like, Oh, y'all are really fucking uncreative as fuck. Like that sucks. That's y'all are down bad, down bad, down creatively. bad, um, you know who wasn't so, down yeah. bad creatively? And I'm sorry to hear that the bars kind of sucked and it wasn't a, a great evening. I, I stayed at home, watched the movie, kept it quiet, as I said. Um, and uh, But you know you know who didn't have a creative uh, uh, drought uh, in the year of our Lord that is 1978? Uh, one man One J.C. J.C., yeah. our Lord and Savior. <laughs> John Carpenter. Uh, John Carpenter, <laughs> yes. I guess we might as well get to the movie for the day. We are doing the eponymous Halloween, directed by John Carpenter and written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, uh, starring Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis, PJ Souls, Nancy Loomis. Uh, not Nancy Loomis. Why is it Nancy Loomis? No, it is Keys. Nancy Loomis. Oh, but oh. she was known as Nancy Loomis at the time. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, pro- what is considered probably the most um, 
uh, uh, profitable independent horror film of all time, uh, an, an iconic, uh, uh, some say masterwork of horror, mm-hmm. uh, a story that uh, caused people to talk about uh, 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 psychosexual fury in serial killer slasher films. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is a uh, kind of pillar of aesthetics of horror, seeing the 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 opening sequence through the eyes of the young killer the young michael myers also known as the shape which is like it uh, is that his body is wrestling name or something <laughs> i don't know yeah. but I, michael the, the shape, shape myers. myers or it's like it's like you know it's like the undertaker except all of a sudden the 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 John Carpenter theme comes on and oh, and then the lights go out and it's just his mask on the big screen. It's like the shape, the shape, the shape. And he's coming down. The- <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. This, this movie we'll is, is, um, is, is a, a independent slasher horror film. Uh, and, and it, it, it went crazy. It went with a budget yeah. of, of 300 to $325,000. It made $70 million. Uh, at the movie theater, uh, it is uh, um, when you when you change that to the price of today, it's something like a hundred and seventy or one hundred forty million or something like that. Um, yeah, uh, uh, and uh, it is it is hugely influential, mm-hmm. uh, wildly imitated, wildly referenced, and uh, and it did a lot of things for the first time that uh, kind of became synonymous Hallmark, with Hallmarks staples. with yeah staples of the horror genre um of the slasher genre yeah slasher genre well the thing about this film okay well firstly obviously if you haven't seen Halloween there's going to be spoilers here um and and we're going to be talking a lot about about just the first film i don't want to go too far yeah. into the Halloween reboots, no. Halloween remakes, There's... Halloween sequels. I'm just talking was... about this John John Carpenter film, just this one. Yeah, just just the one. Not e- we're not even talking Halloween two, which is the actual direct sequel, or Halloween 2018, which is the other direct. There's three different timelines of the Halloween series, but like this is the one that matters. Uh, if you want to follow the original timeline, it goes bonkers. It's stupid. You know, it ends up going into some weird occult shit. Uh, and then then there's the whole, like, H2O timeline that completely retcons uh, post-Halloween 2 in which uh, Lori never actually dies. And then there's the reboot remake sort of trilogy well, there's, there's, re-imagin- takes- there's the reimagining from the rob zombie the two rob yeah, zombie reimagining which and then, are and then, okay for what they are yeah they're, i mean they should never have been said as like explained as a i was just talking to this with somebody actually when i went into um, the store and we were having a conversation about it about halloween and the halloween series and they they should have at the time, the lexicon wasn't there to say it was like a reimagining. Like that kind of the idea of reboots mm. and remakes were still kind of like foreign to, um, well, not maybe remakes, but the idea of like rebooting was still kind of like 
we don't understand the exact terminology. I would say the Rob Zombie ones are kind of reimaginings because there's a lot different. Well, yeah, it kind of, it takes a lot of the mystique out of the Michael Myers shape uh, being, character, mm. uh, thing, whatever you want to call it necessarily. But yeah, not wasn't really a huge fan of how he, you know, really he created his own whole backstory. I kind of liked the the looseness of you know what happens to Michael Myers after you know that opening sequence in Halloween when he murders his sister. You you don't know why, you don't know what caused him to do it. There's nothing explained, and then it just kind of it just jumps forward 15 years or whatever, and you're just kind of like, okay, fuck, okay, let's do this. Um, and then there's the David Gordon Green one, which picks up directly, like, well, 40 years after the original Halloween. So you know, there's three timelines, four if you include the Rob Zombie remakes. There's a lot of Halloween that you yeah. can indulge in, but we're talking the first one, which just, the, everyone just the first one. across the board agrees is a fucking classic, is awesome, is essential, is the film that kickstarted the slasher craze. Because it's not the first yeah. slasher, you know? No, no Psycho already happened, Texas Chainsaw Massacre already happened, Black Christmas, Silent Night, Deadly Night. There's already slasher films. But this was the one that brought it to the foreground because the immediate aftermath of this is Friday 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, um... All the and then all the, just the schlocky '80s slasher films. Yeah, and it also, you know, it, it, I mean, Master, it, all that stuff. It, it all kick, comes from Halloween. It kickstarted like the popularization of slasher films, but also developed helped develop the genre. I mean, a lot of the tropes that have yeah, kind of become not, yeah imagery. synonymous with with the slasher genre. This movie kind of helped popularize the final girl kill. Uh, or the final girl trope, sorry, killing characters who are sexually promiscuous or substance users, um, the use of a theme song for the killer, um, shot scenes from from the perspective of the killer to build tension. Um, So Using like suburban, everyday sort of locations. Yeah. That sort of stuff. On the Wikipedia here, it says, the elements have become so established that many historians argue that Halloween is responsible for the new wave of horror that emerged in the 1980s. I've definitely also read uh, articles when I was, and and critiques when I was in school. Uh, We definitely had to watch this movie in our horror class, and we we talked about this movie in our horror class, and read articles with many uh, uh, film historians who feel the same way that this film is kind of like, a, a pillar of the slasher genre and horror and thriller. And there's a lot of really, really um, interesting, not only uh, practical, technical aspects of it, but uh, it's a very tight, uh, uh, fast-paced, short, um, to the point. It's 90 minutes. It's 90 minutes, then to the point, uh, uh, horror slasher film. Um I think uh, I think that the one thing about this this film, if I can be slightly contrarian, is there was a period of time when I would watch this. I would say maybe when I first saw it in the early two thousands, where it wasn't so far back that it still held some kind of scariness. But now mm-hmm. it's we've be, we've gone so far down the use of dread, suspense, gore, and film. Uh, filmmaking capabilities that that at times when you rewatch this, I know this is going to be blasphemous. 
there are parts that you can't help but laugh. Um, and maybe it's cause I've yeah. seen this so many times too, that it's like, right. for me, I'm watching it and going, Oh yeah. You know, he's killing her with a phone line, <laughs> you know, but at the time, nobody had seen half the stuff that's more, almost all the stuff that was in this movie. Nobody had seen anything like that. So, you know, it's, you have to, when yeah. you watch it now, try and put the context of watching it at the time that it came out. Um, much like, uh, the exorcist right you watch the exorcist now and it's unnerving it's creepy but there are parts oh, yeah. where you laugh because you're like this girl's saying insane she's stuff and shit, yeah. rocking her mom it was punching which her is mom like, in the face which is yeah un- i hear wilder stuff on an average train ride through town i'll hear crazier stuff than what regan was saying in fucking the exorcist exactly there's some there's some method yelling at nothing like down the street and that dude's going to say wilder stuff than a possessed girl but that's just the times that's just you know 50 years ago yeah i totally understand contextually that yeah saying that sort of blasphemous stuff like stabbing yourself in the vagina with a crucifix and like calling your mom the like see like yeah absolutely i totally totally got it but like now it's just like you know people talk like savages yeah it's insane. So, you know. Um, and and obviously at the time it was released, lots of people enjoyed it. Um, but in as time went on, a retrospective look back on it is what people really started to realize or where people really started to realize the influence, the legacy, the importance of the film. But Siskel still gave it three and a half uh, of four stars, saying that it was a a beautifully made thriller that works because director Carpenter knows how to shock us while making us smile. He repeatedly sets up anticipation of a shock and delays the shock for varying lengths of time. The tension is considerable. More than once during the movie, I looked around just to make sure no one weird was sitting behind me. Um, the, the, uh, um, uh, you know, there was a lot of people who, who, Enjoyed it. Some people said it was well-made, but kind of empty and morbid. Some people said, well, that they didn't really understand the use of tension or the use of delaying the attacks, whereas I feel like Siskel got it right away. Um, uh, You know, but people praised Jamie Lee Curtis. This was kind of like her, wasn't this her breakout role? I feel like this. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was her. She's the original Scream Queen. Uh, And... uh, um, some people said said uh, uh, that the movie was a visceral experience. Uh, Roger Ebert said it was a visceral experience. We aren't seeing the movie. We're having it happen to us. It's frightening. Maybe you don't like movies that are really scary. Then don't see this one. Ebert also selected it in his top 10 films of 1978. Um, they, you know, over time, these dismissive critics became impressed of Carpenter's choices of using weird camera angles and the simplistic mu- music and the lack of blood and, uh, uh, and, and, uh, you know, the, the kind of, uh, almost, you know, it, violence is graphic, but it's not that graphic. You know what I mean? It's very like, kind of like subdued, but, but like not. You know, he like strangles a girl to death in the car, which is like scary and like upsetting, but it doesn't, it doesn't become like over the top, which is, which plays weird now in a time where people are used to seeing these over the top, gruesome, crazy deaths, right? Where in this one, it's just like scary because he just is in the car and grabs her by the neck and just holds until she dies. 
<laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean that that's a thing at again, like we said contextually 1978, you know, you've never seen like on you know, cuz this is the first sort of big slasher film to get like a wide release and be seen by a lot of people. Like like I said earlier, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that was very much a small group of people that have seen that movie, which, you know, over time and obviously gained population or popularity as, you know, but it was because of Halloween and what followed that those earlier slasher films then people are like went back or like, oh crap, okay, that this this has existed for a little longer than I thought it did. But you know, just this just the fact that you're seeing innocent people just get murdered for no reason. For no reason. That was unheard of, I think. Um and you know, I, I and contextually, it's like yeah, the 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 killings didn't need to be complicated. A simple strangle, a simple stabbing, worked. You know, but now you know, go through the whole you know eighties of Jason Voorhees, you know, smashing sleeping bags together. You know, uh, Saul Krueger turning into a pizza man and killing you, or you Hostile. know, terrifier, yeah, terrifier, or, or, yeah. Yeah, where it just gets more insane and over the top, but like, and that's a thing that people in like like I I like it from an effects point of view. You know, I don't I'm not a huge fan of gore. I I kind of I like gore, but it's because I like I like good practical effects. And so, you know, this one it's just like yeah, just a freak in a mask with a knife is at this point in time was scary enough and that's all you needed and the fact that you didn't know why he's doing it or there's just you know and why he's specifically targeting this one woman who he has relative no relation to until you know the sequels really fucked that up but we're not talking about the sequels so you know it, it yeah, in 1978, I can understand why people saw this movie or like, fuck, uh, okay, I'm going to stay inside this Halloween. Well, and the other it. thing, the other thing too is that like, I mean, there is this whole, you know, there's no logic to him. He's just this kid who saw his sister hooking up with her boyfriend and murdered her and then just became evil. That's literally yeah. the point. And then he escapes to go out and kill more people on Halloween because he's evil and there's no real reason to it. He just doesn't like the fact that girls be, be fucking like, that's the, yeah. it's pretty much his, like, he has this like violent response to promiscuity and sexuality and stuff, which is, you know, um, yeah, I, you know, there's the, that's a dialogue within the United States and North American culture uh, that goes deep and I don't want to get too deep into that, but you know, um, it plays upon a lot of, a, a lot of different fears. It, it drags these, these tense moments out. Um, the, the killing is brutal, but also subdued. Um, it, it's the music. John Carpenter composed the score himself. The music is incredible. It's like iconic. The, the iconic. Michael Myers mask and the outfit that he wore and the just general, you know, simplicity, but terrifying nature of it, especially leading once he breaks out of the, the asylum and then he 
is in the town following the girls around. Um, and you're not really sure what he's going to do for the first little bit. Like, you know, this all had, this movie is very short and all happens in like a day, uh, you know, and, uh, and it takes place in a single day. It takes place on Halloween day. So you see them in school, you see them leave school and then they're babysitting kids for the night while other kids trick or treat. And, a lot of like the scarier stuff or more unnerving stuff isn't like the killing parts. It's just like the scene where Lori's sitting in class and then she just looks out the window and he's just standing there across the street, just staring at her from like so far away, like like across the street, like across like that. That's like one of the most upsetting parts or like when he's just standing there on the sidewalk. And yeah. I was going to say that bush. that's like an iconic when she looks up and he's just standing there at the edge of the hedges yeah. and he's looking at yeah. her or when he's looking at her from their, from their, their, uh, um, the neighbor's lawn, he's just like looking, standing between the, that mm-hmm. stuff is unnerving. And, and the use of the, of the kind of theme for him and this, and the use of this, yeah. the, you know, Carpenter's use of synth and, the timing, which I believe is is ten eight or five four, um, that gives it this weird kind uh, of yeah, it's five four for for Michael's theme, the Halloween theme, the do 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 do. That's five four, and then there's like Lori's theme is also like fantastic. Whenever she's just walking down the street by herself, which is like the more has more synth parts to it and more chords involved. But yeah, those two. Uh, those two pieces of music, I think, are like two of the greatest like pieces of music ever composed for any film ever. Yeah, they're bangers. They're bangers. Yeah. Um, and and you know, a lot of the a lot of the those moments are what what are really scary. That that when he's like standing in windows looking at them, you just see him mm-hmm. like in the window while there's a scene happening. I think. Um, and you know, I think this this movie and many critics have thought so as well that this movie is kind of like a critique on on the social values because there's a lot of it now when you watch it that it doesn't, you know, I was remarking as I watched it last night, like, where are the parents? You know, there's like right. no parents in this movie at all, aside from the dad who's a cop, you know. Yeah. Also, it's kind of commenting on the dangers of suburbia. Everybody's door is unlocked. Everybody's window is unlocked. Every, you know, there's a man walking around in a mask watching these young women and nobody notices, you know, she's banging on the door being, help me, help me when she's being chased at the end by him. And the guy opens the window, looks out and he's like, Oh, it's just some woman screaming. Help me. Turns off the light, closes the blinds. Like there's definitely this kind of fear that's being, projected about society into it as well, which is, I think something that probably was a gripping contemporarily because for us, it's so obscene. The idea of, Oh yeah. Like half of the stuff that happens in this movie would never happen now. It just wouldn't. I mean, with the advent of cell phones, with the change in attitude, with the, like the idea of, uh, women like young women babysitting kids and having no way to contact the parents who are away. I, not, not possible yeah. now. I mean, there's so many things about this that are kind of like conte- contextual. It's also, you know, uh, 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 very much as we said, a conversation about sexual 
and and repressed sexuality versus liberal sexuality. Uh, you know, the the people who are killed are sexually active. The first uh, uh, and and because they are, but they are killed by a man who is unable to process that sexuality. There's a lot of really deep and deep rooted themes in horror that if exist in this film and a lot of very cool cinematography for an independent film. Like I mentioned the scenes shot through the eyes or through the perspective yeah, the of Michael. Shot. Yeah. The POV shots. There's a lot of really, really, really cool stuff and cool stuff that's done with like shadow and light, uh, where, you know, I mean, just the opening title sequence where it's just a slow zoom on a pumpkin, like, incredibly effective and like you think like a scare is going to happen like what other movie are you like kind of frightened during the like just title sequence like that's i don't know like there's just there's you know it's such an effective thing like just a slow zoom onto a pump on a jack-o'-lantern it's just like okay 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 Uh, it's just so simple but yet you know you're just like kind of like hmm Okay. Mm, okay. Uh, this is w- weird. Uh, and then uh, also the POV stuff kind of plays into voyeurism, which was like a big concern and fear at the time and people watching people being watched. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's packed into this relatively taut, tight, lean, independent slasher film. Uh, and it's why its legacy has been so strong and so definitive and so wide, far spread. Um, now, Again, on the flip side of this, as I was watching it, I was like, where are the parents? What is happening here? Why is there no way they can contact anybody? Why is the neighbor not opening the door for Lori who's screaming bloody murder? Uh, You know, how come all the windows are open? How come nobody's doing anything? And it's a contextual thing. And I think when I first saw this, when I was, you know, in the early 2000s, it's like, that world was a little bit closer, but now we're so far from it that you really have to watch it and consider the context in which it's made or else it will seem silly at times. And that's what I, I noticed really watching it critically that now that the, the technical aspects of this film and the thematic aspects and everything that it's influenced are still very much on display, but the world has changed so much that, that this, it it almost it seems fantastical you know what i mean um and and even though the fear might be still there of somebody an evil young boy es- escaping the insane asylum to murder um with the proliferation of true crime podcasts and true true crime documentaries and all that stuff the the um there have been a lot worse that has become part of our that people have been a lot more evil who have become part of our cultural conversation. Uh, so it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it was interesting watching it this time and thinking of it in the context of now versus the context of back then. Also, are any of those girls friends? They're so mean to one another. The whole movie, they're just mean to one another, especially Lori. They're all like horrible to Lori. It's like, these people aren't friends. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, like, what are they supposed? How old are they're like supposed to be? Like sixteen, seventeen? Yeah, something like that. So, only, like, and only, yeah. only. Um, uh, uh, why am I blanking on her name? Jamie Lee Curtis was the only teenager. She was nineteen. Um, but sorry, go ahead. Like, at, like that's how old she actually was when filming. Yes, or, sir. Like, 
Okay. Um, yeah, they're yeah, they're not the kindest, but I guess that's just teenage girls. I guess I don't know. I, I, I friendship I, in, I, in the seventies was just being mean to one another. I mean, I have a theory, which is probably a incredibly sexist theory, but I think you know, women hate women more than anyone else. They are very mean to each other. If you just look at the waves of feminism, even the the way that some women speak out against other women, it's just like you all realize, like you're, you're in this together, right? Like I, I don't know, man. Anyway, it, that, could, that's, it, could, it could also be a purposeful choice to kind of like situate them as targets or something like that, or or explain why Lori survives or what it is about yeah, her that makes I her mean, special. But but like yeah, maybe it's just meant to specifically paint Lori as like oh, this is the one character you should care about because look, see, they're so innocent and nice, and while the other ones are kind of dickheads, yeah, they're like wild horny, you know, like they yeah yeah. Um, but at the same time, just even their interactions within, with each other, it's like, were friendships in the seventies? You just like make fun of each other to each other's face, and not even like not even like riffing on each other or razzing each other. But like, there are literally some lines where I was like, I can't believe she just said that to her. But I, I, you know, maybe it is a choice. Probably is a choice, a deliberate choice to kind of like separate the characters and station the characters where they need to be within the story, and that Laurie's the one that kind of like. Uh, is the girl scout as she says um but but you know there's a lot of good in this movie and there's a, it's an important film Absolutely. i think that a lot of people should you should see it if you haven't seen it you should watch it it's not like horror movies of today it's actually quite different because it is the 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 as we said, the, the, that which opened the floodgates, you know, all of the things that were changed and added and expanded upon came afterwards. This one's is kind of like, you know, mainlining the John Carpenter tension and freakiness at a base level. And the thing that's crazy too, is they're supposed to be teenagers and Jason's supposed to be 21. It's not even all the, the only old people in the film, I think are the cop and, and Loomis, you know, like yeah yeah i think you're right yeah yeah everyone in the movie is incredibly young yeah except for dr loomis and uh the the policeman um it's it's yeah it's yeah, it's yeah there's yeah there's like no other like adult figures present and you know what i like the fact that he was 21 I think I think this this concept of of using kind of like old looking dudes or like disfigured weird dudes as like the the slasher is like cool and gruesome but the fact that this guy he's like a 21 year old guy who just is on this like i'm gonna kill anybody who's horny spree because i killed my sister who was horny yeah is like that's wild you know that's pretty sick yeah <laughs> like not I, yeah. not, I mean, I'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that, yeah, i'm not saying that that idea uh but just the that concept the simplicity of it and how kind of scary it is because like yeah it's scary like if he came out and he was like 60 and he was this weird disfigured guy it's like oh that's like that's gross and that's weird but seeing like a 21 year old who just wears overalls and and a ronald reagan mask or whatever mask he's wearing that's been spray painted white kirk mask oh captain Uh, kirk mask that's what it is and yeah uh, and just murdering uh, people that's horrifying murdering people who are enjoying 
enjoying their sexual liberation and and enjoying their sexual awakening he's just killing them because because he can't figure out his own sexuality or whatever it is i mean that's pretty scary even even now yeah. that that's pretty true to life like there are some incel things going on now that you know mm-hmm. tough beat I mean, that's what um, a lot of people shit on the more recent trilogy of Halloween. Um, I've only seen the first two. Uh, I've never watched them. So. Halloween and Halloween Kills. And I thought they were quite nice. I thought they were decent. The fucking weird thing is that people are like, yeah, there's not enough murder in it. Yeah, he's not killing enough people. It's like he kills five people in the first movie. That's it. Like, chill. He's not a fucking killing machine, yo. Like, you're mixing up the Halloween franchise with, like, different shit. Like, you you are, you are don't even know what you talk about. He kills more people in Halloween Kills than he does in one scene than the entirety of this movie. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, shut up. Let him know. You Let him know. Don't even know. Talk to him. Um, it's just, and, and like, in fact, very you confidently made films. But what I was saying, in Halloween Ends, there's a whole subplot where it focuses on this, like, young teenager, male teenager, who has very incel school shooter energy. And it kind of, it kind of is a commentary on that while also, you know, p- paralleling it with a, you know, sociopathic uh, demon man, whatever you want to call him. I, who knows what he is at this point? Um because yeah so yeah i that is something they have touched on on in the more recent films but uh you know but that's also here's the thing about horror fans horror fans are some of the dumbest film people ever like they are like oh a unique plot uh no thank you next i would rather have the same movie again please thank you like they're just the dumbest most low just lowest people it's just like so what do you want you just want a movie that's fucking an hour and 45 minutes of just a dude stabbing people with no plot it's like okay go watch snuff films go watch live leak if that's what you want dude like fuck off i'm Uh, sorry i like a plot and character development in my film uh, series my bad see i think it's more about like when i think it's more I mean, I, I definitely think that that's a thing because, well, I mean, I don't want to get into talk about fandoms, but I think that there's no. a, 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 I think that there's also on the side of the studio, there's like, mm-hmm. I think sometimes they can force things to be, try to be contrived or changed for the sake of feeling like they need that. But sometimes they change the wrong things. I, I yeah. use the example of, of a movie, an episode you guys can go back and listen to, but pray, you know, yeah. Prey was a movie where they were like, okay, we really understand the essence of this movie and we're going to do it the right way. We're going to tell a story that's similar to the first one, but the setting is different. The characters are different, but the concept is pretty much the same. Some of the right. biggest badasses in the region go up against a bigger badass from space. And that, mm-hmm. and that, you know, that core idea is malleable enough that you can make in the right plot around it. Whereas I feel like, and I feel like that's what you're saying is that, you know, you can still have the essence of these characters, but have interesting stories that are kind of molded around it instead of changing core aspects of these films or these characters 
to try and kind of subvert or flip ideas or do whatever. Like, you know, we talked about it in that episode, the the movie, The Predator, where predators steal autism. You know what I mean? And it's like, what are you doing? You don't need any of that. That's not necessary. Yeah. And and I think that sometimes with these slasher films and these franchises, you run into that problem where people are like, well, what if we just what if we just add this thing and flip it on its head and all of a sudden it becomes something completely different? And and yeah. and rightfully so, if you're a fan of the franchise and you watch that, you should go, well, I don't like this. I, I it doesn't capture the essence of the character. But then there are the people who don't aren't actually fans of the movies. They're just they just like the idea of being a fan of something. So they're like, oh, I love all of yeah. these movies. And it's like, well, what do you think about the themes that are presented in it? Oh, I don't think about that. I just want to see people get stabbed. That's what you're talking about. And those are the people where it's like, well, yeah. then why do you have I an mean, opinion? <laughs> you know? if, if you're like, I'm a fan of the Halloween franchise, it's like what you're admitting is that you like horrible films. Because everything from three onwards is pretty shitty. Okay, here's the plot of Halloween Resurrection. Like Buster said, Rhymes. Wait, I like how he said we're not going to talk about these and somehow we've gotten into talking about these. Okay, go ahead. Buster Rhymes, yes. Buster Rhymes is the host of a web show in which people go in the haunted houses and just get spooked out. Um, turns out then they go to the Michael Myers house and guess what? Michael Myers just murders a bunch of dweebs from the internet. That's the plot. It's like, that like they're not good like they're not good this is the only one and you know halloween 2 is not bad halloween 3 is a totally different thing and is good it's good season of the witch is great it's a standalone film has nothing to do with this but outside of these first two like the halloween halloween 6 the curse of michael Myers. it turns out he's being possessed by like a cult like what the fuck are you talking about like what <laughs> what the fuck dude like okay like it just it just gets so bonkers and for someone to be like i'm a halloween purist it's like oh so you like dog shit is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> you like dog shit movies which is fine because guess what i've been to horror conventions people love horrible Yo. 80s slashers like and if that's what you're into fuck yeah, yeah. if you're if you if if you like it the good the bad and the ugly in this case there's a bit more bad and ugly than there is good but if you if you if that's what you if you like it then just like like it you know that's acceptable you can you can but just like then to go at like David Gordon Green to be like, oh, fuck Blumhouse for ruining uh, the Halloween franchise. It's like, what? For them trying to make a Halloween movie that's working within modern horror tendencies where people like their horror and, movies. And the original, right, the original writer and director to be part of the production team. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry you hate new John Carpenter music. Fuck you. Like, fuck. Like, I don't know. Anyways. Halloween 1978 is sick and everything that follows is just kind of all over the place. There's a lot of movies to go through to decide which ones you like, but like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, and I think that again, we should remind our, you know, art is subjective. So you can like what you like. We're just stating our opinions here. I mean, that's the good thing about horror fandom. In my experience, the one good thing is that most people, tend to know what they actually what they like 
in in most cases. So like, you know, Phil, he loves old school 80s slasher movies. He loves he loves the Halloween sequels, like four through five, like the return of Michael Myers and that shit. Like he loves that shit. He loves Friday the 13th. He loves Nightmare on Elm Street, Slumber Party Massacre, and all like uh you know uh uh that's the one with the dude with the pitchfork in the caves uh but, but my bloody valentine like stuff like that he loves that and i'm like i get it i know why you like that you like seeing dumb white people get murdered in gruesome ways hell yeah dude love that but then it's when the like dudes that just like come in and are like Okay, I I'm an expert. I've seen Hereditary twice, so I know what I'm talking about. Okay, I know her. So that it's reminds like, me of the dude who tweeted up. the dude who tweeted that uh, was like, "Yo, when can we start having the conversation about Jordan Peele being a master of horror filmmaking? He's made three movies, and all of them are back to back to back." Uh, uh, amazing! He's like the best horror really? film worker working now. And then, and then, even Jordan Peele res- responded and was like, "Hey, man, slow your roll." Yeah, you know, like relax, dude. Everything doesn't have to be maximalist, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you can just be like, "I like Jordan Peele. He's made some good movies. He's doing some good horror yeah. films. I like it." You know, we don't have yeah. to be having these. It's like nowadays when people talk about and discourse online about anything is like. Oh, he is a master of his everything he does is perfect. You can't yeah. criticize. And it's like even me watching this movie now, and I'm I unequivocally like this movie. I and I think that there's yeah. so much good to it. Mm-hmm. But watching it now critically, I was like, wow, there are certain things in this that have not aged as great. Now there is tons of legacy. Right. There's tons of um oh, yeah. of um, of importance in the movie. The, the fact that it's so tight and lean at 91 minutes that happens in one night, the POV stuff, all of the stuff that we've already mentioned. It's, it's great, but they're, you know, it's from the seventies. It's an independent film from the seventies. There's some audio mixing stuff that I, I found kind of egregious with some of the, the screams and the whimpers and things like that. Some of the kills now that we've aged out a bit, they, they're underwhelming. They're underwhelming. You know, there's there's certain things that you could criticize about it. And I feel like, I guess the reason why I'm bringing it up is because yeah. I looked at a lot of the reviews on IMDb and people talking about it online. And there's a, a contingency of people who have wa- who watched this. And they're like, wow, this, this is really underwhelming. And people, this is overrated. We don't understand why why people talk about it the way we do. Well, this was one of the first. Like, you have to think about, you know, yeah. the, 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 this is this is the... Before the avalanche, this is the 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 one ball of snow that falls by, and you go, "Huh, that's weird." And then everything else comes after it, and it gets bigger and badder and louder right. and crazier. But this is where, like, one of the this is where one of one of the starting points of tons of shit that comes afterwards. So you have to contextualize it when you're watching it. But yeah. even without that, for it being an independent film, some of the sh- some of the the shots are amazing. The soundtrack yeah. is amazing. I like this subtle self-references with the thing. The kids are watching the thing uh, on the on uh, on Halloween night. The 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 movie that the kids that they're babysitting are watching is the thing. Um the thing from another planet. Yeah, the John thing from Carpenter another planet, the but thing did not exist yet. But, but yes, but, that's a uh, manifestation. Yeah, I, I love that. Um I love 
the uh, yes, yeah, sorry for correcting, but it's the um, but then that's later a movie that that John Carpenter does. He remakes the thing, um, and uh, and there's just so many like kind of self referential stuff. And Jamie Lee Curtis does an awesome job. I I think she is the standout in the film. Um, for yeah. somebody who was totally unknown, she does a real uh, excellent job. And I like the guy who plays Loomis too. He doesn't really have. Uh, what, what's his name? Um, Ronald Pleasance. He doesn't really have a huge job to do. He just like shows up and says some spooky lines like death. Yeah. He just kind of shows sheriff. up like an hour <laughs> late to every location. Pretty much. Yeah. That's his entire thing up until that very end when he finally shows up somewhere on time. He's just showing up late. That's that's his whole arc. It's just ah, fuck. I missed him. OK, let's go to this store that he broke into. Ah, fuck. I missed him. Which is like he's always literally like just missing him. Oh, that's, like literally, especially that, in the scene where he goes to the hardware store and literally Michael Myers is in the car in the background and then just casually drives past him. Well, the thing Great. that's crazy, I well, I love that. I the thing about that scene that I don't understand watching it back is that like so they had that sequence so that they could have Loomis showing up late. And then Michael drives in the background and he's looking at them, right? And he's following yeah. the girls. And, but what I didn't understand that is alarm's girls, been going off for like five hours. Yeah. What I don't <laughs> understand is that the girls are driving, they're smoking weed, they're driving to their job, which is to, uh, to babysit. So they're yeah. driving in their car, they're smoking weed, they're going to their job to babysit. They come around the corner, they see the hardware store is being broken into, they see, uh, um, Annie's dad, dad, yeah, the cop. and and he's there, and so and they're smoking weed. And she looks at him, and they're at an intersection, and she goes, "Put it out, put it out, put it away somewhere, roll down the windows," and Instead drives, just, oh, just drive past. to the what drive, just and then afterwards, your dad says, "Why didn't you stop to say hi? We were late to our job." Like, why yeah. did she stop? That's the one part I was like, what was the there's point just, in stopping here? Like, I mean, if you want to break down, there's so many things that uh, don't make sense. Firstly, Michael Myers, he's been institutionalized for 15 years since he was a child. How the fuck does he know how to drive? Matter of fact, how does he even know where he is? Like, in conjunction to anywhere, how does he even know where anywhere to go? Like, if I was institutionalized for 15 years and somehow got out, I would just be running in circles. Like, what do I do? It's like, what's that Joker line in The Dark Knight? It's like, I'm just a dog chasing a car. But if I actually got to it, I wouldn't know what to do. It's like, yeah, that's me as an institutionalized child 15 years later. It's like, okay, um, I guess I murder somebody. Okay, I know exactly where they live. Let's go. It's like, wait, what? What? Then, but all of these, that, save for your uh, observation of, you know, why did they stop? And also, it why is that alarm still going off? Because he broke in in the morning. So, like, you would have th thought that, you know, that would have been dealt with already. And also, how does he even know to go to a hardware store? How would he... As a, and why is where the would hardware he even store... To buy knives? Yeah, like, why would get the, knives? Why would the hardware store... Wouldn't somebody be there during the day? Like, why would it be closed on Halloween? I don't know. I, I, yeah, 
there's, there's yeah, and then there's, there's other parts. Holes. There's other parts too where he like he when he's chasing Lori at the end, and Lori's like trying to get through doors, and she's like, "Oh, I can't get through the door," and she spends like fucking like three minutes just like shaking the doorknob and then he breaks through the door the the other door that she had locked and she's like oh my god and then breaks the glass it's like why wouldn't you just start with the glass the door is a glass door out to a patio break the glass to start you can see that there's a a rake there blocking the door break the glass but she's like standing yeah. there shaking the glass and it's like i mean i understand oh she's scared also, of her what was up with she the front door? why didn't she get out the front door she's just like it's like yeah you don't know how to unlock a door what's what, what's up with this yeah there's a lot of big dumb bitch moments in slasher movies yeah um but i still like jamie lee curtis's performance i oh, still like absolutely. that final i still like her showing up and finding the 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 thing in the bed and look, okay. I'm, we, we can't really break down the plot of this movie cause it's very simple, but I'll do it quickly here on Halloween night in 1963, six year old Michael Myers kills his sister Judith to death with a kitchen knife. He comes out of the house. His parents go, what the hell? And they send him to a, uh, um, sanitarium. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and Michael breaks out of the sanitarium uh, the psych-, psych psych ward, whatever you want to call 15 it. Fifteen years later. Fifteen years later, and uh, and and steals a car, steals Doctor Loomis's car, uh, and throws this woman out of it and drives away. Uh, Michael way Michael makes his way back to Haddonfield, where he grown where he's grown up. He kills a mechanic, steals the coveralls, uh, and steals a white mask and some some tools from a hardware store and he begins stalking Laurie played by a uh, Laurie Strode played by Jamie Lee Curtis and, and Laurie's friends whom he saw drop off a key at his long abandoned childhood house that his father, uh, that her father is trying to sell. That's what locks him on to her. And then yeah. from there, he just watches her all day. It ramps up. The girls have to babysit. He keeps stalking them. He murders them. Loomis shows up showdown. That's pretty much the movie. Yeah. I don't want to break down all the deaths, all that right. stuff, because it's like I don't want to give it away. The movie's pretty much guy kills his kills his his sister, goes to a psych ward for a long time, breaks out, returns home on Halloween night, the night that he killed his sister, to do more killing. Finds Lori because of Lori dropping off the key, follows her and her and and her friends, is mad that they're also having sex and enjoying life. Decides to murder all of them in a ritualistic fashion. In this, for the same reason he killed his sister, he's evil. And uh, and then in one night, while the girls are babysitting, parents are nowhere to be found, and for some reason, nobody will help them. He causes terror and follows them and murders them one by one. That's pretty much the point. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's uh-huh. it's very simple plot. There's not a lot to to break. Uh, like we said, Loomis is kind of one step behind him most of the time. Uh, uh, the Annie's dad, uh, the police sheriff is helping Loomis. They're going from place to place to place, trying to figure out where he is throughout the movie. Finally, they uh, they pull up, uh, and uh, and there's uh, you know a showdown at the end. And um, as as Laurie is trying to escape the the knife of Michael Myers, the shape. 
And that's pretty yes. much that's pretty much the movie. That's it's very simple. Yeah. Um, which which works in its favor. I I like that. I like the fact that mm-hmm. you know I feel like nowadays people need to make movies that are so complicated, and uh, I like when it's pretty simple. You know, I like I like some yeah. of these horror films where it's pretty simple. You know. Yeah. One of the things I liked about The Descent, they're in a cave. Yeah. There's monsters. There's monsters. You know, prey. And predator, you know, killers versus They're killers. Jungle. They're in a Horse. jungle. Yeah, alien, alien in the jungle. You know, it's yeah. it's like an elevator pitch. I wish there was more uh, elevator pitch type movies. You know, I think about it sometime. You know, people probably got movies made just based on a on a one line elevator pitch that they could sell. I watched yeah. um, the Devil's Advocate. Right. Okay. I was yeah. like. Dude probably pitched this in one line. He's a lawyer and his boss is Satan, Al Pacino. (laughs) And it's like, whoa, you know, like (laughs) this movie kid is a murderer, breaks out of a sanatorium to return to his hometown to indiscriminately murder on the anniversary of his initial murder. He wears a mask (laughs) and... And he's built different. And someone's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, yeah. for the soul. Absolutely. Um, it's, uh, yeah. It's, it, on paper, it's a very simple film. It's a very incredibly simple th- film. And I think that's what makes it so good is that, you know, since it is the sort of proto slasher, 80, before all the 80s stuff just took slasher films that just amped it up to the most, you know, insane, over-the-top, gratuitous levels of in every way. Because, you know, they were like, okay, we need more sex. That Because more sex means more violence. More violence means more blood. I mean, everything's just, you know, every they're just fucking amplifying everything. But this is so good. Every, so much is unexplained. And then... You know, we haven't even gotten into the the characterization of Michael Myers and what the shape is. Is that you know, the sh- he's not Michael Myers anymore. He, when he murdered his when he murdered Judith as a child, that was you know him being overtaken by he became the, most the shape. absolute evil possible. And, and that's you know, one I, of the, there's oh sorry, go ahead. So I, for a while, I thought of the big three of like, uh, you know, slasher, you know, Michael, Jason, Freddie, you'd want to include Leatherface for the big four. I'd say that's the big four of the slasher guys. I always hated Michael Myers the most because I was like, this dude is just unrealistic. It makes no sense. Okay. I understood Jason Voorhees. He's a fucking swamp zombie. That makes sense. Uh, What's his face? Um, Freddy Krueger. He's he's a dead, burnt dream pedophile. Okay, he's that's wild. And then Leatherface is just literally a fucking who uh, IQ dude with a chainsaw. That's that's it. And I was like, oh, I perfectly understand these characterizations and why they do things. I never understood Michael Myers until you know. I grew up and, you know, started doing more academic film research. And then people are like, well, he's actually the shape. He's no longer human. He is 
actually just the pure embodiment of evil. He's yeah. not human. He I mean, is and that's evil. what Loomis says in the movie. He's like, you know, I yeah. looked at this kid and I was like, he wasn't a kid. He, had, he looked at me. There was nothing there. He had nothing behind his eyes. Pure he was evil. pure evil. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, because that uh, was a big idea. Like they talk about the, the Celtic traditions of Halloween and Samhain and, and, you know, the idea that you couldn't kill evil and a lot of the like literature about it, um, uh, you know, both, both Carpenter and, and Hill, who was the other writer mentioned that, you know, the, 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 that Halloween night, uh, the old idea of Samhain or, or I don't know how you pronounce it exactly Sam but Samhain, yeah the, the 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 it was a night where all souls are let out to wreak havoc on the living and and that this kid was pure evil he's just said he's become this evil entity the shape mm-hmm. that that yes. he uh um evil has come back to the town that he was born evil was born in the town on that halloween night and he's returned to it and apparently the script only took like between 10 days and 3 weeks to write like this was a very um singular idea yeah uh and mm-hmm. uh and, and i i i uh i you know i i there's a lot to like about it there's there's a lot i mean yeah. again it, it does when you watch it now it has aged it's gotten to the point now where it has aged um but there's a lot to like about it a lot of thematic mm-hmm. stuff to like to like about it a lot of depth to a very simple idea um and that's why it's been so talked about because it's been unpacked yeah. and unpacked and unpacked mm-hmm. um and and it's one of the things that makes mike michael myers actually truly scary this movie once you realize that he is just this embodiment of like kind of focused yet wanton evil and he's not a human anymore he's just this thing that breathes heavily and wants to kill anyone who's horny um, yeah, it it becomes a dialogue about women's sexuality. It becomes a dialogue about suburbia. It becomes a dialogue about about um, kind of cultural fears at the time um, about mental health. I mean, there's so many things here that you can unpack from such a simple idea, which is I think one of the reasons why this movie goes so hard is because you can have these conversations about it. Um, and it makes sense. And it just it's not shoehorned touches in. on everything. Yeah. Like it just has enough of it all where it's like, oh, okay, okay. There's phallic symbolism with like the the knife and stuff. It's like, okay, that kind of makes sense, especially, you know, considering his main targets are horny teenagers. That I get that. And then, you know, the mental health stuff, it's like, okay, yeah, it's the failure of, you know, state institutions. Okay, I get that, you know the failure of just police you know there's failure of parents there's a lot of stuff there it's not in your face though but if you really want to read into it there's a lot there that's in this movie and if you want to really go into it and that's the thing like with the sequels it does the more you go into it and try to explain shit the more jumbled up it goes that's why i don't like the rob zombie movies because they gave a backstory to michael myers as a kid where he was like bullied and abused and he starts you know he starts off murdering animals in the forest then he beats a kid to death with a rock and it's like no how about regular kid just gets possessed by absolute just evil. becomes evil that's his brain breaks sick. and he becomes that's a evil great concept yeah yeah 
a kid murders his sister for no reason. It's completely unexplainable. And they'll never find out because the kid goes mute and just doesn't talk because he's just evil. He's just waiting for the next chance to kill again, which he patient, patiently waits 15 years. It's it's a great concept. And, like, that's the thing. I, and it as much as I shit on the sequels, like, there is in, I think it was Halloween H2O, where there's a scene where a person's, like, walking down a hallway and uh, Michael Myers, he is doing a one-arm chin-up and just pulls himself down. So he's holding himself up with... Mad okay, you have to really imagine this. Like, it's hard. The person's walking down a hallway, and then Michael Myers, as if he's been just holding himself chin-up for, like, however long, eventually just, like, slowly drops himself down, and then with one hand, it just murders him. Like, as if he's the most jacked athlete possible. And, like, I was like, oh, that's stupid as fuck. Like, what what the hell? But then when you add in, like, oh, it's pure evil. It's like, that kind of makes sense. Even how stupid it is, it makes sense just with that, I like, just with that notion. But once you try to peel that back and try to explain why is pure evil, what what is pure evil, it's just like you're just creating more of a mess. Just, just let. Yeah, it's it's evil, he's, right? he's pretty. It's pretty singular. And I wanted to say, like, one of the things that they do in this film that's really good is at the very end, after Michael's being shot and falls off the balcony, and then his just, body disappears, and then there's kind of like a bunch of houses with with Michael's breathing and the, like his heavy breathing through the film, mm-hmm. um, but it, you don't see him. It's just like, it's just this idea of him. Um, uh, being kind of everywhere like he's just evil he's just this Mm. he's everywhere and nowhere at the same time he's dead but his body's not there and it's like Mm -hmm. the last bit of the film where it's just opens up this like you know kind of follow through of this he is the shape he's not he's 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 everywhere and nowhere he is kind of supernaturally powered but he's not really he's just evil you know that 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 even in throughout the film as it builds up, like his he kind of disappears or appears, but you never really see him do anything that's like beyond like supernatural. He's just mm-hmm. he's just singular in his evilness and wanting to cause harm and 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 his weirdness and his it's just crazy. And the other thing is that like one of the scenes that I did like about how upsetting it was was the scene where he kills the German Shepherd. Because oh, yeah. he just like lifts it up and strangles it. You're like, yeah. oh, this guy's, he is not playing. And that, that, I mean, a German Shepherd is a scary dog, right? So, like, yeah. I, also, I, the one thing about that scene is that girl has no idea how to interpret dog sounds. She's like, oh, it looks like he found a girl. It's like, do you not know the difference between a death whimper and like a, like, you know, a dog being horny because those are two distinctively different sounds. Well, you know? she and she's like standing there and the dog's barking and going crazy. And she's like, oh, the dog doesn't like me. And I'm like, "I the dog's not looking at you. Like, look down. It's looking outside. There's something outside. Maybe you should, you know. Yeah. But anyway, that's one of those things where it's like, you know, this this is an independent film from the late 70s. There are yeah. aspects of it that have aged 
poorly and and you honestly can't help but laugh at after you've seen it a couple times you know because i think when you watch it for the first time especially if you really buy into it and you try and put yourself in the context of the film you will have a great time and you will see the like the um the depth of it and the amazingness of it and the kind of singularity of it but then once you've watched it a bunch of times it's hard not to laugh at some of the scenes because it has yeah. aged out a bit and i think that that's one of those things yeah. but if you can see both in the same film and understand both and look at it and be like i understand what's great about this and what matters and why it's amazing but also like haha this was made in the late 70s and you can have a laugh at it too I think that movies are supposed to grow like that, that things are supposed to, things are supposed to age and change. And, and, you know, your dialogue with a movie is supposed to change the more you see it and stuff. So I think that that's just natural. That wasn't me trying to say that like the movie is bad. I just, I can understand how people who don't understand the context and watch it now see a movie that's kind of out of, it's kind of yeah i mean like you know if you watch halloween after watching terrifier 2 you're gonna be like oh halloween is like uh you know that's like wizard of oz that's happy go lucky you know as compared to a woman being skinned and then having peroxide poured on their skin or their unskinned body i guess yeah sorry that sorry i just ruined terrifier 2 for you you i'm sure that's only one aspect of it um, but, uh, yeah, lots yeah. Of great kills. and also, you know, shout out, I mean, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis is the daughter of Janet Leigh, uh, Lee, Janet Lee, Janet Leigh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who played Marion Crane in, uh, Psycho, right? Yes. Is that the uh, connection? Yes. Um, yes. and, uh, and so that's, uh, you know, there's a little cool, cool connection there. We could go on and on and on, but I feel like we've really kind of like wrapped it up in a bow. Um, again, the score is amazing. The There's some really cool uh, cinematography and shots in this film too. Um, but I don't want to go on and on and on and, and you know, wind up talking well, for two hours about it. Is there yeah. anything else you want to add to it? Yeah, so there's one more thing. If you're not familiar with the Halloween series and what John Carpenter intended to do with this series was it was supposed to be an anthology series where every Halloween movie was a different thing, which is why it ends on such an open-ended sort of thing where it's like, is he dead? Is it evil? Is Oh, and then, you know, is the house cursed? That's kind of like the last thought you get. Like, oh, is the house itself cursed? You know, there's so many different possible ways and the fact is is that you weren't supposed to go any deeper into it that's what it was supposed to be but then movies massive success they go to john carpenter and deborah hill and they're like we want more of this dude and they're like "Uh, fine i guess we'll give you more of this guy so they write halloween 2 which you know is michael myers and then you know ends with a definitive ending with an explosion that kills Michael and uh, Lori. Okay. So that's supposed to be the end of it. Complete. Boom. Which they never wanted to do too in the first place. What they wanted to make after Halloween was season of the witch. That's what they intended in which they wanted to do horror movies set on Halloween and just kind of explore different things. You know, you had the slasher, then you sort of wanted to explore, you know, occult witchy sci-fi weirdness season of the witch is really good like season of the witch is a great horror film it's a it's a problem with it is that it's called halloween three um if it had just been called season of the witch and being its own thing 
Uh, I think it would have had a very different... I, uh, I don't know what the studio was thinking by after making a Halloween 2 and then being like, okay, we made two movies. Now let's make an anthology series. It's like, what? That makes no sense whatsoever. Like, I get it. You're on so much cocaine right now that you're just trying to fucking squirt out horror movies since it's the hottest shit ever right now. But what the fuck? That movie should have just been called Season of the Witch and it should have been a standalone movie because at that point, they had moved, John Carpenter had moved on from Halloween. He had moved on. He was making, by that point, you know, fucking The Thing, They Live, and other weird horror movies throughout the 80s. He's making Big Trouble in Little China. He's just out there just making the wildest shit possible. You didn't need, you didn't need to try to continue the series. And then, you know, and then obviously Season of the Witch tanks because everyone's like, what, Michael Myers wasn't in this? So then, you know, Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. It's just like, oh my God. It's just, just make the movie called Michael Myers then if that's what you want. Like, it's, it, but then, you know, that's, that's like one of the earlier um, examples of like, fandoms kind of you know controlling what would be next because they're like season of the witch sucks give us michael myers and it's like okay you get michael myers okay you cool you get the big the big white guy stabbing people there you go and then you get what follows but if this series had you know stuck to the plan and it was just halloween michael myers and then season of the witch and then they gave john carpenter and deborah hill the opportunity to just produce and write and, you know, if he wants to, direct, score, just different horror movies based around Halloween. I feel like we'd be in probably, I don't know, a, a more interesting, you know, world maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm not going to sit here and... Uh, guess and see what it would have been guess, like. I mean, I but think... it would have been interesting. I, I mean, know. I think the thing is, and, and I mean... I haven't seen it for a long time, so I, I can't, maybe it hasn't aged so well, but I just remember watching it and being like, oh, this is cool. I mean, th I think the main problem that people had with Halloween 3 was that there was no Michael Myers. They were like, exactly. what is yeah. this? Like, they didn't understand there was, the internet wasn't around for people to say, oh, no, no, the original plan was to make an, an anthology, not to make all of the films about Michael Myers, but because nobody could say that in a way that was reaching the audience meaningfully, uh, that it, it, you know, people were like, where's the killer guy? You know, like, yeah, where, where's the killer? Um, yeah. I mean, imagine like to put it in like modern context, imagine they made Iron Man one, Iron Man two, and then Iron Man three was about a black child that has is just ran it has nothing to do with any you'd just be like what you had no, 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 no context wait, let's, of let's interconnected I, I, got, I, got a, I got a better way okay it's iron okay. man one and iron man two and then the third one is iron man three and it's about like a medieval kid learning to be a blacksmith yeah it's like tangentially, it's, like, makes no sense. it's tangentially related thematically but it has no connection to to 
the idea of Tony Stark. Yeah, other and Iron than Man, there's you know, an Iron Man. Man. Yeah, he makes <laughs> yeah. an armor. He makes armor. But like it's yeah. it, and so that was the idea. But people didn't understand that. And so like I I thought season of the witch. Well, I remember watching it ten years ago or whatever. I was like, this isn't that bad. People made it seem like it was like the worst thing in the entire world. And I was like, no, this isn't that bad. I mean, it's it's very anti-capitalist. It's very um, anti-television. In many ways, kind of anti-children, which is really weird. But um, I love a nice anti-children sentiment. But um, but I think that if it, you're right, it would be interesting to see what would have happened if we would have had an anthology of films called Halloween and each one of them was a, a different thing. But I feel like people are scared to make anthology movies um, yeah. just in general or even anthology shows. Like we've watched How True Detective um People got so mad at season two of True Detective right. because it wasn't connected to season one. They wanted more in that story. They wanted the questions answered. When I, I think that season one answers all the questions that you need answered, you just have to pay attention to what happens in it. But yeah. um, uh, um, anyway, I I, I, I think yeah. Halloween is a, is a, a very very important yeah. film. It's a singular film. There's a lot to like in there. Yes, it has aged. It is what almost 50 years old now no 40 yeah, it's years? 45 years old. 45 years old yeah so you know it has aged there are some parts that are kind of silly kind of plot holy but the good far away the bad especially if you're a fan of horror film and you want to understand horror film and there's a lot to talk about once you begin to scratch at the mm-hmm. surface and i think that's what's yeah. amazing is how simple and singular it is but how much legacy how much depth how much there is once you really start talking about it. And, uh, and plus Jamie Lee Curtis, breakout role, John Carpenter yeah. score, everything. And, and the shape himself. I mean, Michael Myers becomes an icon. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, people can shit on, you know, Halloween or the original exorcist and be like, yeah, you know, it's not as scary. My parents, you know, told me it was really scary, but I don't think it's so scary. And it's like, well, yeah, they had no context for that shit. Like that didn't exist. Like them seeing the exorcist and Halloween for the first time is imagining listening to fucking pet sounds by the beach boys for the first time. Be like, what the fuck is this production? Holy shit. There's 37,000 instruments. What the, you're just like overblowing with like, cause there's no, like, it's like, okay. But now if you go back and try to listen to like the beach boys or the Beatles, but you have, You've listened to Father John Misty. You have listened to Bonnie Vare. So you understand, you know, production. And you see, it's like that, the shit now doesn't exist without that. Yeah. Without the exorcist, without modern horror does not exist. Yeah. As we know it. Without films like I'm sure it would still exist in. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there would still be there are there were still horror films and there were still slasher films, but these were the ones that were like, yes, you know, this is what brought them to the foreground. This is what introduced the entire craze of 80 slasher films, you know, and then the burnout of the 90s and then the resurgence of the 2000s of 
then found footage yeah. and different and, and well uh, and i mean you need you need these and films then the 2010s, to lead just... which then goes back <clears throat> to like oh what if we do more grounded stuff you know it's all cyclical yeah and what the other thing is like you need things like this to get things like scream which exactly. was like yeah, in the yeah. 90s in a meta commentary on the horror genre and the slasher genre so it's like all yeah. of this stuff is connected, which is why the context is kind of important when you watch it. If you haven't watched this one, please check it out. It is one of the most influential horror films of all time. And, uh, and, uh, and it, it goes. I mean, even if you watch it and understand in one part of your brain that there's the context of its release and its place in history and with the other side you're laughing, it's fine. But, you know, yeah. do put some respect on it. Put some respect on John Carpenter. And put some respect on the oh, shape because yeah. that dude is evil as hell. I'm and only twenty one in this again. That's very yeah. wild to me. Also, just shout out John Carpenter because that dude is just living his best life. Like I forget how old is he. He's like eighty or something. Seventy five. Seventy five, and all that man wants to do is just play synths and play Dead Space, which is and like smoke weed. Yes, <laughs> that's what I want to do. He just wants to make music with his son and play sick video games, which I'm like, hell yeah. I love that. That's so, a vi- it's a vibe. And like, and let's like, let's just go through, like, let's just, uh, where, where are we at? Like assault on precinct 13, Halloween, the fog escape from New York, the thing, big trouble in little China, Prince of darkness. They live in the mouth of madness, village of the damned escape from LA. And vampires, even though those last two people shit on them, I love those movies. I Escape from LA is fun as fuck. Vampires, sure. What fucking what? Uh, what's the fucking uh, what's his face? Uh, James Woods. Yeah, James Woods as a fucking vampire hunter in the desert. Yes, that sounds sick. I you know I don't know. We can forget about Ghost of Mars and the Ward. You know, we didn't need Ice Cube in space against space ghosts. He also narrated Fear 3. Did you know that? I never actually played Fear 3. He did. That would have been nice to know. Bring it it back around. Uh, I only played the first two Fears. Um, Yeah, those games are sick. Shout out. Listen to the video game episode from two weeks ago or whenever that was. But yeah, John Carpenter, he's a real one. He without John Carpenter, we don't get so many good things. Like, I don't know, man. Without John Carpenter, we don't get I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I'm all out of bubblegum. Um yeah. yeah, he's uh he's it's John Carpenter. He's he's hugely important and and uh and showed him out. Showed Shout out him. (laughs) That's what I was trying to say. Um, Okay, well, we're coming to the end here. I guess there's a couple of things that I did want to talk about briefly before we ended. Uh, First and foremost, um, it's something we've talked about quite quite repeatedly. Uh, Shout out The Alchemist for jumping into rapping at 20 plus 30 years of his career. Now he's Put out Flying High Part 2, which features him rapping on every track, plus the uh, aforementioned uh, in the previous episode, the the Nothing Is Freestyle that he released. Um, and he's barred up. Like, yeah, 
That Vertigo track, kind of sick. (laughs) Turkish Link track, kind of sick. He's on a track called Phil Drummond with Conway, and he's going toe-to-toe. I love it. I love this. (laughs) I want more. Alchemist being in his rapper arc is uh I'm I'm glad. I'm happy for it. I think I needed this. I, now I just want a full album. A full album of just Alchemist verses on Alchemist beats. Yeah, I need it. Dude, I need like, it. I need it He's already solidified himself as one of the GOAT producers ever, easily. Like I'll I'll say it. I'll put him as number one. He's my number one hip hop producer of all time. That that's personal preference, you know, but um, now him dropping bars as well, like it's crazy. Cool. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Like he and he's these are high level bars too. Like and it's funny because it encapsulates so many things that are alchemists. Like just his sense of humor, which is you know if you're a, if you're a Action Bronson fan. You'll love it. You'll love it because that's what it is. It's ridiculous references. It's over the top. So if you're like, it's very much inspired by you know, Action Bronson and Rock Marciano, who he works with a lot. I mean, him and Rock Marcy's rap album uh, Elephant Man Bones is was I think excellent, one of the best rap albums last year. I think that was last year or was it this year? I don't know. Alchemist's output in the last couple of years has been so insane that it's just like, how, how does he keep doing this? And now he's reinventing himself doing the rap stuff. Like that's just, it's sick. It's it's sick. Crazy. And, um, yeah, no, just, uh, it, and it's, it, it it makes sense because, you know, he's heavily inspired by prodigy who, you know, he worked with mob deep heavily. He toured with prodigy as his DJ for, I'm pretty sure up until Prodigy's passing uh, a couple of years ago. So like man has just constantly surrounded himself with the best of the best. And, you know, just the fact that he's like, okay, I'll start dropping bars now. And it's like, oh, you're already like one of the best rappers. You all yeah, like, I'm sick. I, I, yeah. It, <laughs> There's it, nothing it, it's, else you can say. It's, it's just insane, so sick. Dude. It's insane. I love it. Um, also, new Benny the Butcher, produced by The Alchemist, uh, with featuring Lil Wayne, is really good. Um, if this is the kind of stuff Benny's putting out going forwards, uh, I am very excited for whatever album's coming. Uh, did we talk about Year of the Knife and End last last week? No, I think I think you talked about Year of the Knife. Uh, Either way, listen to both of those albums, the Year of the Knife album, No Love Lost. um, And uh, we did not talk about End, I don't think, because I don't think that had dropped when we were by the time. I think we recorded before we uh, listened. Oh, yeah. So that we didn't get to talk about Year of the Knife. We did. I think that, that both of those albums, No Love Lost, Year of the Knife, came out. I think I did actually say listen to it. Um, Maybe I said it to you. I don't remember. Anyway, listen you to def- it. Well, we were definitely talking about Year of the Knife. I don't know if that was on record or not, but speak. Well, anyway, if, if I even if I said this before, I'll say it again. Year of the Knife, No Love Lost, came out last weekend. 
all of the money that go- goes that is made from this album goes to the band who are in a horrible yeah. accident. Um, yeah, Pure Noise isn't taking. It's on Pure Noise, right? Yeah, Pure Noise or, is yeah, not taking. Pure Noise any money. isn't taking any money from them, which they don't need any money. Let's be serious, you know. Still, that's what shout, I kind of sh- like. Shout them out though, because that's like yeah. a good. Yeah, no. That's a such. The band was in in a horrible accident. Their vocalist is has had brain damage, was in a coma. Like they're relearning how to live, and they had this yeah. album in the in the chamber ready to go, mm-hmm. and they dropped it. And Pure Noise said, "Anything that we make on this is going to you guys to pay for your medical yeah. bills," and, and that's good shit. I love. That. And what I, what I was meaning, I wasn't saying fuck Pure Noise. I wasn't saying. I was saying like they have their cash calves. They have the story so far. State champs, all the various pop punk bands. Which I love about Pure Noise is that they take the money that they make from you know their cash cow bands, which are generally pop punk bands, and then put it into sick like smaller hardcore bands as well. Like I love that. Like. Uh, I think the new Mugshot EP just dropped as well, which I haven't listened to it yet, but their last release was really sick. If you're into, like, you know, the Knock Loose-inspired style deathcore hardcore that everyone's sort of doing now, if you're into that, you'll probably like that. But Year of the Knife just being, like, a pure hardcore band and, you know, them just being like, yeah, no, let's fucking support this band. Like, I love that. I love seeing a label just do what they like and the fact like i love it that they're like okay yeah we'll have the pop punk bands to make money but like we love putting on sick young hardcore bands as well like new newer hardcore i love it so shout out pure noise and shout out year of the knife i hope they uh uh the members make a full recovery um because yeah that shit's tragic it's horrible horrible unbelievable yeah. uh and then uh yeah the end album is heavy as all hell it is uh it's uh, a step up from i mean i like the first album that they released but i like this one a lot there's some parts of yeah. this album where i was like jesus christ um, it's the because i think i when i told you that that album was so heavy like i, I was like I didn't think there was going to be anything heavier than the new Acacia Strain album this year because the one uh, Step Into the Light, that album, front to back, is so fucking heavy and just so hard. I was like, I think that's my lock for, like, heaviest album of the year. And then this album came out. I was like, holy shit. Firstly, just that guitar tone. Holy shit, dude. I don't know what Will Putney did if he decided to literally use a live chainsaw on his guitar. I don't know. The tone sounds like murder. I don't... Dude, it's ferocious. It is... It's the wildest... Like, it's sludgy. It's fuzzy. It's heavy. It's... But, like, it also, you know, it's also mixed well and there's like everything on this album like there's pure just deathcore there's just pure beatdown stuff on it there's a song on there that if you didn't tell me it was end i would have been like oh this is converge hell yeah this new converge track love it it's sick there's industrial stuff on it and it's just and there's cool the parts is, there's it, there's cool stuff with melody too like that's one of the things yeah. that surprised me is that the because the first album is very relentless um, yeah. this one seems to be more deliberate 
and more yeah. more structured and more thought out and uh the production is of higher value even though will did both of them this one yeah. is like next level dude, dude like yeah, i was like that what shit. and then brendan murphy sounds like a fucking demon on this like and that's the thing like i've become like i've kind of fallen out of counterparts i don't really care at this point they've made the same record like eight times in a row it's like we get it you're sad you hate the world Ooh, okay but then whatever the fuck he's saying on this record i'm like i don't care just keep yelling that hard i want you <laughs> Just keep yelling this Stay way this that pissed. you're doing. The scream into the void. Whatever you're yelling about on this album, keep doing that. Because you know what? I, I at this point, counterparts could break up. And if Brendan then committed to end full time, I'd be like, hell yeah, dude, mm. that's insane. Like, I, I'm, yeah, <laughs> this. Because really, with counterparts, the what I've always I listen to every counterparts record for because there's always one or two songs that are just pure beat the shit out of whoever's closest to you songs. Like every every album has a pure just minute and a half just smash song, and I'm like, that's my favorite counterparts song on every album. You know, in the last couple of releases, it's just the mosh song. Because other than that, every song's the same. It's like okay, a cool guitar intro, boom melodic verse oh sing along let's go and then breakdown it's like okay you, you guys have your formula it works but like then et, yeah and it just fits and it's just like his his such like um cynical take on things just sounds so much better in a fucking deathcore band than it does in a melodic hardcore band i don't know maybe that's a hot take Maybe you know, I think I think what fans it, will come for me. I, I think know. what it is is that like the last three counterparts albums haven't really hit hit as well. I mean, I'm also not an angsty like you know teenager anymore. So it's I like, think well I know. think end is more there's more poetry in it, and especially in this new the new album. The Sin of Human Frailty is what it's called, for those who are listening. Mm -hmm. um, the lyrics are a little bit more poetic. The, there's more thought, more structure, more. Not that there isn't thought and structure in, in Counterparts, but there's variety in this album. And that's what I liked more yeah. about this one than I liked Splinters from an ever-changing face, which is the first one, which is a lot more thrashy, a lot more aggressive, a lot more relentless, a lot more spastic. Um, which there are moments of this and this, but then there are moments of really beautiful melody, really interesting um, features, different voices that are on this, which is really cool. Um, mm -hmm. And then parts that are just like the ending of Le Le Leper, the last song um, yeah. sounds like what I imagine a black hole falling in on itself sounds like it's so scary. Um, so you know what? Just, yeah, go, go check that out. If yeah. you like heavy music, there's some other stuff that came out that I feel like I want to talk about, but I don't want to talk about it until I've had a bit more time to listen to. But I do think it's crazy that the Gaslight Anthem has a song with Bruce Springsteen. It's like that Spider-Man meme really. where they're two, two pointing at each other. I mean, it's not surprising, but I was like... It's, it's not so they've done stuff together. I mean, I'm pretty sure Brian Fallon has a song with um, Springsteen on his solo record. And also, fun fact, 
my dad loves the Gaslight Anthem because they sound so much like Springsteen. Uh, yeah, I can. Like I my can. dad loves fucking uh, American slang and the uh, the fifty nine sound. He's like, holy shit, this sounds like if Bruce Springsteen was modern and like if he was doing what he did in the seventies and eighties today. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely. This is pure Americana rock. Like, hell yeah. There's no one else really doing this style of like american just rock other than uh fucking dan nailed on the head the killers it's mm. the gaslight anthem and the killers are the only two bands that are really just being like yeah, yeah it's we're like americana american like rock americana like roots rock modernized yeah. um well anyway we'll we'll talk more about that on our next lazy bird the last question i have for you my friend is uh, have you played spider-man 2 at all no no, all right. Well, then, then we'll wrap it up. We don't. We don't need to. I'm we, still we, in Phantom Liberty, which is still so sick, dude. I don't know. I could. I think Cyberpunk may be one of my favorite games ever. It is. It is very good. I've started the DLC now. I want to hold my thoughts on it until we can kind of do a revisit where we talk about the DLC both together. So mm-hmm. let's put a button in that. I know the last episode I said we'll come back to games, but we've been occupied with enjoying life. Halloween, various other things going on. I'm finishing Hogwarts Legacy finally before I buy Spider-Man so that I can at least take one more of the single-player games I've almost finished but haven't yet out of rotation. <laughs> yeah. um, so so we'll, we'll put a plug in that. Oh, the other thing that came out um, that, that we, were, we were chattering about, uh, the, the new trailer for the new Planet of the Apes movies. I think mm. that the the new that that rise dawn and war specifically dawn I think I've said this time and time again are it's a it's a, actually like an incredible science fiction trilogy and like one of the I guess sleeper sleeper masterpiece <laughs> like it's kind of amazing yeah, yeah no it it is um, it is in terms tech, technologically and just they're genuinely good, entertaining they're films sick movies. that are three distinct, different films. They all have a completely different tone. And there's so many and- smart things in it, like the way that the the apes slowly learn to talk more through each film and how, how you know, the, 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 they're self-referential things. And it's the, really the story of Caesar, not the humans. And, and um, yeah, there's the, the, I, specifically dawn is like i could watch that movie any day that movie is so sick uh and it's got fucking gary oldman in it. it's, it's sick it's so sick um anyway the trailer for the new one kingdom of the planet of the apes which i guess is going to kick off a new trilogy set in that world of the apes um as, as again psycho circled around the apes uh the other son of caesar I forget what his name is. Cornelius, maybe. Uh, whatever his name is, he's going to be the central character going forward, and it will be exploring the world of the apes, these that have survived, and the humans that have survived and devolved and all this stuff. But the trailer looks fun. I like monkeys doing things. It was great. Um, <laughs> I'm a simple man. I see monkeys, I watch. <laughs> I see monkeys doing things. I get excited. Um, yeah. And uh, and so that was really, really sick. There's some other stuff I want to talk about, some Marvel stuff, because Loki season two is really great. But we'll save it for a lazy bird because we're coming up on two hours. All right. This was yeah. our episode about uh, about Halloween, 
about our Halloween and about John Carpenter's Halloween, the film. Uh, and, uh, and we hope you enjoyed, uh, I don't have anything to, to promote. Just follow me on Instagram at P A L M R E A D R. Uh, you got anything you want to promote or, uh, or anything you want to, uh, no, just come to the dive bar shows uh, this month. Uh, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, there's no show tonight on the uh, on the fifth. So come on out on the the twelfth, the nineteenth, and the twenty sixth. Uh, it's a free comedy show filled with locals and some out of town comics, and it's uh, try to keep it weird, try to keep it fun, and uh, yeah, if you're into that, come on out and have a good time. Show starts at nine. Uh, so get there for nine. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I also saw the new David Fincher, The Killer, which is interesting. And I, I, I like it more the more it's I've been thinking about it. So we'll, we'll have to talk I, we'll, about we'll that. Talk about I it think it comes out on Netflix soon. So I we'll, think it we'll comes out on Netflix this week. So okay. I think it comes out either on Tuesday or Thursday. I feel. It's one for the boys. I'll say that. I think Fincher was like, "Here's one for the boys." After yeah. Mank was so out of uh, out of the ordinary for what he generally does, it's kind of like, "Okay, here's one for the boys." Okay. I think what I said is yeah. he was like, "Well, season three of Manhunter is never happening. Here's one for the boys." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you said your 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 Instagram. Where can they reach you? Oh, uh, just follow me on Instagram, Otis Morris, dude. All of those details for shows will be there. Very good. If you have anything to add, if you have anything you would like to suggest, if you want to join the conversation or you're a friend of ours and you'd like to be on the podcast, but you don't know how to ask birdprotocol at gmail.com or the interact section on Spotify, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Do you like the movie? Do you hate the movie? Do you want to add something? Did we miss something? Do you think our takes are bad? Do you think our takes are godly? Whatever. Uh, do you have a timeline that you prefer of the Halloween series? Is there a Halloween movie that you like? What's your favorite Michael Myers kill? If we're talking, if you want to go deep into the sequels, yeah, whatever. when his uh, kills get a little bit more freaky, uh, talk to me. Talk, yeah, talk to us. <laughs> and don't forget to like and subscribe. Hit the little bell so you get notifications. We appreciate everybody who listens. We hope everybody had a wonderful Halloween season. November, we're going to take it... Uh, I don't know what we're doing for November, but we'll probably do some some fun stuff leading up into the holiday season. And then we'll do our, uh, you know, holiday picks and our bird report for the year. Um, and I think that's going to pretty much end out the year. It's only two mm -hmm. months left. So uh, let's end it out with a bang. And always remember yes. to initiate the protocol. Peace. Peace out.